Fire in the Mountains, Chapter 14 A very frantic knock woke them both up. Shoto sat straight up in bed and looked down at Kotsky, guilt and shame flooding his chest. And they heard Mina yell, Shoto, are you there? Hey! Shoto blinked at Kotsky and wordlessly made a face, but Kotsky just rolled his eyes lazily and called, Yeah, what? Cat? Mina threw open the door, and Shoto rolled away, scrambling under the covers and making a sharp sound of protest. Mina took one look at them and slammed the door behind her. We've been looking everywhere for you. Mina hissed. Kotsky scratched the back of his head and sat up, naked and entirely unashamed about it. What's wrong? It's nearly noon! We've been trying to distract the king. We couldn't. Mina drew up short and her narrowed her eyes. We didn't expect you to be here. Shoto cursed in his hand. Koski said, we'll be right there. Shoto had never gotten dressed so quickly in his life. His hair was mussed, and he had forgotten to take it off his face paint last night, so there were little blue stains on his skin where he scrubbed it off. He arrived at the door to Koski's war room at the same time Koski did. Koski was dressed and his hair was always that must, so he looked mostly normal, except there were little dark spots under his ear that made Shoto blush when he saw them. What? Ah, uh, you. Shoto pointed a little feebly. <laughs> Shit. You gave me bruises? <laughs> Kotsky chuckled. Seriously? I, I'm sorry. I didn't know. Kotsky grumbled a little, but then he opened the door. Inji and all his people, and all of Kotsky's, were waiting there already. Shoto swallowed. Everyone looked at them, and Shoto knew this was a foolish, stupid, reckless idea. This would never work. Surely this wouldn't be enough. You're early, Kotsky said. There was no false diplomacy in his voice anymore. He sounded gruff and angry. He sounded like a barbarian. I believe, Inji said, clearly furious all at once, that you are late. Kotsky narrowed his eyes. I arrived when I meant to. Inji ground his jaw. Kotsky stomped into the room and Shoto followed more sedatedly. Searching for a chair along the edge of the room, where he could sit while Kotsky hashed out the final details of his alliance, before he made one last desperate bid for Shoto's continued freedom. But Kotsky looked one of Inji's advisors in the eye and said, Move. 
The man looked at Kotsky, startled, and then scrambled out of the chair. It was the one to Kotsky's right, and he put his hands on the back of it before he looked at Shoto and said, Princess. Something like a silent snicker ran through Inji's people at that, but Kotsky didn't seem to notice. Shoto sat down, cheeks burning even though he gave Inji a flat, deadpan look. Kotsky's people were all barely covering their hostility, but Shoto could tell at least some of it was directed at Shoto himself. Kotsky sat down. Let's get this over with. Very well, Inji grit out, as we discussed yesterday. There will be a change to my proposal, Kotsky said. Will there? Inji spat, startled out of whatever monologue he'd been planning. Yeah, Kotsky said. Shoto stays. Inji chuckled. <laughs> We've discussed this, King Kotsky. This marriage is hardly legitimate. It was entered into in good faith, Kotsky snapped. Cultural differences notwithstanding, you'd have no room to, dis to demand its dissolution. Shoto turned his head. Kotsky was being gruff and sharp, and it was strange to still hear him speaking like a king. If, if I may... The priest interrupted. He was an old man, with a calm but assured sort of voice. King Kotsky, King Inji tells me Prince Shoto was coaxed into agreeing to this union, very much against his will. Kotsky said, I wouldn't know about that. As far as the faith, is concerned, the priest said gently. Forced unions only hold merit in very particular circumstances. That is to say, they are agreed upon by both parties. I agreed to it, Kotsky said. As did I, Shoto added. He was proud that his voice didn't so much as quiver. Prince Shoto, the priest said very gently, your romantic future should not have been used as a bargaining chip. Inji's jaw slid. His generals and advisors all shifted a little uncomfortably. Only a priest could get away with criticizing a king, so directly. And then he said, His Majesty has informed me there is no husbandly affection shared here. Even if you have perhaps come to think of King Kotsky as a friend. His Majesty is incorrect. Shoto didn't look at Inji when he spoke. The room was very quiet all of a sudden. Shoto said, 
I have served my country as is expected of me. And now that my father believes this union is no longer to his advantage, he wishes to drag me home in disgrace, claim an assault on my honor that he committed. Boy, I will remain here with my husband, Shoto said, turning to look at him. Now his voice was shaking, and he couldn't make it stop. But he couldn't. After all that, he couldn't leave. Who has never treated me as a commodity, Shoto added. I will not return. This is my choice. And if you, if you threaten my new home, I'll... Shoto, Kotsky said very quietly. Inji was white-faced, furious. The priest was quiet, thoughtful, perhaps even a little amused. All of Inji's people were staring at Shoto in utter shock. Kotsky said softly, I think that's enough, if you'd like to. Shoto nodded sharply and stood. Kotsky would handle the diplomacy. Shoto wasn't going anywhere. He wasn't. Inji stood when Shoto did. You have no claim to him, he said furiously. And he is not a war prize, Kotsky yelled back, jolting to his feet. He, Inji looked at him, at the priest. He said himself there had been no consummation. Shoto turned around, handling on the door. Everyone in the room shifted in palpable discomfort, but Inji was too livid to notice. You said it yourself, father. Shoto said quietly, I'm a liar. Shoto shut the door behind him. Izuku was in the library, a huge stack of books in front of him. Shoto drew up short when he saw him. When Izuku looked up, he blinked in surprise. Uh, Prince Shoto, I... Thought you had an important meeting today. Shoto sank into the chair across from him, eyes on the table. He was utterly exhausted, but couldn't bring himself to go back to his room just yet. He had the distinct feeling it would smell like Kotsky. What's wrong? Izuku said. I may have just done a very stupid thing. Shoto whispered quietly. You can tell me. Izuku listened in rapt silence while Shoto told him exactly what happened in the war room. At the end of it, Izuku winced. The first thing he said was, Will the priest know you're lying? Uh, um. Shoto cleared his throat. Izuku said, Oh. And then he smiled. Just for a second. 
and Shoto was sure he imagined the strange, wistful sadness pulling at the corner of Izuku's eyes. And then he frowned. Oh, I see. You, in front of all his generals and advisors. Shoto swallowed and nodded. I was hoping. I was hoping if they saw how he was trying to manipulate us, they'd be less willing to sign off on any attacks against us. He can't tell them I was kidnapped if I told them myself I wanted to stay. But, Izuku said, but he's Enji. He'll be, he'll be angry, embarrassed. Kotsky's trying to negotiate a continued peace, and I don't think Enji will start anything over this. Not really, but but there are other ways he could make things difficult for us. Izuku frowned a little and chewed on his lip, and then he said, So, <laughs> you and Kachan. Shoto was sure he was blushing. The things he'd done and said and the way Kotsky had spoken to him and held him and touched him and... Shoto finally just hid his face in his hands when Izuku's knowing smile started growing, creeping up at the edges. Shoto's cheeks must have been very red. What happened? Izuku asked. Something about the way he said it, about the light, airy quality of his words, made Shoto look at him a little more closely. But he was just giving Shoto the same serene smile from before. Shoto couldn't tell him what had happened, of course. Of course he couldn't. He, Kotsky and Izuku, had a history. One Shoto shouldn't ignore, even... Though, if he was going to tell anyone what happened last night, it would have been Izuku. I... I hardly know. Shoto said a little too quietly. I... I thought I'd have to go, and I just... He licked his lips, eyes locked on the table, on the way Izuku's fingers were curled around his forgotten book. I had to know. That's a relief, Izuku said very conversationally. Shoto watched his fingers twitch a little, the pads of his fingers going white. What? Mina's been talking about locking the both of you on the roof so you'd have to snuggle to stay warm. Shoto made a sound that was half surprise, half incredulous fury. It, she, what? Izuku shrugged. Fact is, we've all seen Kachan like this before. You were the one we weren't quite sure about. I... He was... Shota swallowed. You could tell? No idea why it took so long, Izuku announced. There was a little pink in his cheeks that seemed at odds with his, ca with his casual voice and words. I thought after solstice. I was afraid, Izuku said, or Shoto said. Izuku went quiet, watching him. I thought, 
I knew eventually. Angie? Yes. I didn't think. I didn't think there was any way he let me stay. But he did. You are. I didn't give him a chance, Shoto said. I told him I wasn't going, and... And he wasn't. That was it. He wasn't going anywhere. He was going to stay here as long as Kotsky would let him. Kotsky had promised he could stay, and he'd... He'd told Enji this was his home. And he really, really, really wasn't going to leave. Shoto? Izuku said quietly. His chest felt too light. He felt like he was about to float away. He wasn't going anywhere. He was going to stay here with Kotsky and Izuku. With Mina and Denki and Kiri. With his friends. He had friends here and Inji couldn't take them away from him. Gods, he'd probably just given up everything he'd ever known. His family and his name and his title. He could, wouldn't put it past Enji to disown him completely. But what he had gotten in return. I'm glad you're staying, Izuku announced. Shoto realized he'd been staring at the whorls in the wooden table, and when he looked up at Izuku, said, You deserve to be happy. And then he added very quietly, eyes on the book now. He'll make you happy. And for some reason, the little pang of joy that shot through Shoto's chest at that wasn't as strong as it should have been. It was tinted with something darker. Shoto left Izuku and finally returned to his room. It was almost in shambles, or as close to it as it had ever come before, at least. The servants had been in to tidy up, but as they usually did, they didn't actually move Shoto's things much. The bottle of oil was sitting on the nightstand. Kotsky's cloak was draped over Shoto's chair. The bed had been neatened, but the furs hadn't been changed, and Shoto blushed, too. Too hot, when he remembered the last thing he had done on those furs. He intended to come back and gather his things for a bath. He hadn't freshened his braids from yesterday, and he still had face paint stains on his cheek. And if he moved just right, he could smell Kotsky on his skin. That part he actually rather enjoyed. When he saw the red cloak lying forgotten, he found himself looking around surreptitiously like someone might see him. But of course he was alone. It was softer than he expected. The cloak itself was thick and warm and exquisitely made. Most of Kosky's things were but Shoto could see why he spent so much time in this particular piece of apparel. The toggle that held it shut was made with one of 
Kirishima's beads. Shoto had never noticed that before. The thick red fur trim hid, hid it from view. But more than, more than all that was the scent of it. When Shoto moved the cloak, it washed over him in a wave, brought him back to that exact moment he'd buried his face in Kotsky's neck, and it was complex and delirious and addictive. Shoto could smell the bath oils, his favorite bath oils, and fire, and mountain air, and something very sweet that he hadn't noticed until he'd come within a hair's breadth of Kotsky's skin. He knew he was being foolish, that he should hang the cloak up so it wouldn't wrinkle. But instead, he just found himself sitting on his bed with the leather draped over his lap, hands in the fur. Princess. Kotsky had his hands in Shoto's hair, his lips on Shoto's neck. Hey. Shoto liked the way his skin tasted, the way his hair smelled. Kotsky laughed and said, <laughs> Hey, wake up. And Shoto sat up in bed all at once, Kotsky's cloak falling off his lap and puddling on the floor. It was dark. No light filtered through Shoto's window. Kotsky stood with his arms crossed, a little line of light from mostly closed door framing him. In one glance, Shoto knew how exhausted he was. His shoulders sagged a little, and he was tilting his head to the side like he did when he'd been sitting in meetings too long. His shoulders were probably sore and stiff. Uh, Kotsky. Kotsky rolled his head a little and said, You didn't come to dinner. I'm sorry. Nah. I missed it, too. Kiri said he thought you were sleeping and they didn't want to bother you. You should eat, Shoto said immediately. Kotsky didn't skip meals often, but when he did, it was usually a bad sign. He was too busy, working himself to the bone. <laughs> You're one to talk, Kotsky said with a little laugh. Shoto rolled his own shoulders a bit. He hadn't meant to sleep, and now he was stiff from laying the wrong way on the bed, feet on the floor, and head tilted in a strange angle from the way he'd wedged it up against the wall. Kotsky stood there in the dark, and Shoto couldn't think of anything to say. Finally, when the silence started to become too uncomfortable, Kotsky said, You wanna, uh, bath? Take a bath? He shrugged and jerked his head towards the door before he winced and a hand came up to rub at the place where his neck and shoulder met. Something fierce and hot and also a little embarrassed spiked through Shoto's gut. Uh, yes. He picked up Koski's cloak from the floor and held it out. Koski waved him away. 
Shoto couldn't decide as they walked together toward to the bathhouse if he liked the silence or not. Koski was obviously deep in thought. Shoto had many things he wanted to ask, though maybe he needed to, but he was afraid. He couldn't decipher Kotsky's mood either, if he was relieved or anxious or angry or frustrated. His obvious exhaustion subsumed it all. He also kept his distance, walked in the walked a bit in front of Shoto and didn't look back, and suddenly Shoto was exhausted too. His anxieties had all been aimed at Inji. Every time his thoughts circled back to Kotsky, he felt like he was floating. But something shifted, and he couldn't stop wondering if he'd made a fool of himself. If he'd been childish and presumptive, if he'd assumed more from last night than he should have. Kotsky held the door for him into the bathhouse, and when Shoto paused in front of the pool and stared wordlessly at the water, Kotsky put his hands on Shoto's shoulders and started helping Shoto out of his clothes. Shoto turned to face him, relief flooding his belly. What happened? He asked finally. Kotsky took his vest away and Shoto peeled off his tunic, then breeches. Kotsky scrubbed his hand over his face. For now, we've reached an accord, he mumbled. He turned his back to Shoto and started plucking oils from the shelf. He passed them to Shoto, who dutifully dumped them into the water. One smelled familiar, but Shoto didn't think he'd used it before. It was heady and a little floral, and he thought maybe he'd noticed it on others. An accord. That was some fucking speech he gave. Shoto winced. I didn't. I didn't plan that. He mumbled. I didn't know what I was going to say. Koski finally turned away from the shelf and looked Shoto in the eye. You were amazing. Shoto didn't expect that. He didn't know what to say, how to respond, and there was a very sudden and awful lump in his throat. Instead, he climbed into the tub. Koski took off his own breeches and didn't look away from Shoto when he said, Standing up to him like that, you should be proud. Shoto only felt embarrassed. He'd told his father and all his generals and a priest that he'd made love with the barbarian king. They didn't know what kind of man Kotsky was. They didn't know that everything savage about him was everything that should be savage in a man and nothing more. The way he fought and loved with such feral joy. To say there was no savageness in him was a lie. To say Shoto didn't love him for just that was a lie too. Kotsky climbed into the tub and 
and Shota watched him do it, open and unrepentant. The warm light in the bathhouse was better than the light in Shoto's room had been. Shoto could see the details in the tattoos, could see the corded muscle in his thighs and belly, could see how pale the curls between his legs were. It struck Shoto how slight his waist was. He knew the shape of Koski's chest. He went bare on top often enough, and every muscular divot was ingrained in Shoto's head. But he never allowed himself to look at the places usually covered by Kotsky's breeches. Kotsky's lips quirked and Shoto felt himself blush. Kotsky just said, Look all you want. Of course, the invitation only made Shoto blush harder, so he asked instead, The, uh, negotiations? Right, Kotsky said with a wince. He wants the borderlands, of course. I'm holding out for now. Agreed to better trading terms for him. No threat of fighting, but he... Gotsky swallowed. He won't help with. Shoto balled his hands into fists and stared at the water. And he wants Tenya to return with him. What? Shoto said, startled, lifting his head. What? Why? Kotsky shrugged. I think he's just trying to hurt you, princess. But he claims if you're settled in your life with us, there's no reason for Tinya to remain. I... What did you say? I said it was Tinya's choice. I won't force him to stay or go. He will. Shoto whispered. He'll... He's loyal to his country. If his king asks him to return, he'll... he'll go. I'm sorry, Shoto. Shoto lifted his head, looked Kotsky in the eye. If Inji wanted to isolate Shoto, he'd have to do more than take Tenya away. Shoto was far more concerned with how Tenya would feel. Izuku and Achako and the villagers, to say nothing of Shoto at all, were his friends. Hey. Kotsky made sure Shoto was looking him in the eye, and then he quirked his finger. It took Shoto a second to realize what he wanted, and when he did, his cheeks grew hot again. But he still lifted himself from the bench he was sitting on, and stood in front of Kotsky, water sloshing at his waist. Kotsky reached out and looped an arm around Shoto's middle, pulled him down to the bench beside him. I still came out on top, Kotsky told him. Made a good deal. Shoto frowned. He wasn't so sure.
no aid for the coming battle. A lopsided trade agreement. Tenya removed from his post. Tenya might as well have been a diplomat. Taking him away was a bad sign. Gotsky said, I got you, princess. I got you. Shoto drew up short and stared. He didn't think he was worth those things. He thought he had just done the most selfish thing he'd ever conceded of in all his life. Kotsky's arm tightened around Shoto's waist, tugged him over, and Shoto wordlessly found himself urged into Kotsky's lap, one knee on the bench on either side of Kotsky's waist. Kotsky leaned forward as Shoto settled over him and put his ear to Shoto's heart, pressed his whole face to Shoto's chest and stayed like that, arms tied around Shoto's middle. Shoto's breath caught. He was aware that Kotsky's eyes had drifted closed, that he was just holding Shoto, seeking comfort. Shoto had seen Mina pull Kotsky into an embrace like this before, but he'd never seen Kotsky initiate it. What had Mina done? Put her hair, her hands in his hair? Tuck her chin over his head? Very tentatively, Shoto slid one hand into the hair at the base of Kotsky's skull. It was a little damp from the rim of the tub. Kotsky sighed deeply, and Shoto felt a little dizzy. You're exhausted, he mumbled. It was the only reason Kotsky could be comfortable with this, with this sort of overt affection. Shoto had lived enough with the four of them to know that Kotsky accepted affection eagerly, but overlaid with compliment with complaint and sheer contrariness. Shoto wasn't sure he'd ever really seen him seek it. Somebody kept me up all night sucking cock, Kotsky said sharply. A flower of heat unfurled in Shoto's chest, shocking in the swiftness of his appearance. Shoto mumbled, I, I, I thought it was all we'd have. Koski scoffed and said, For such a smart man, you're really fucking stupid sometimes. Shoto sat back a little, put some of his weight on Kotsky's knees, and Kotsky leaned back against the tub so he could look up at him. Kotsky said, At least you're pretty, though. It hit Shoto wrong, made something unwelcome squirm in his chest, and... Kotsky added very quickly, Fucking sexy. That was better, though it made Shoto painfully embarrassed. He'd been called pretty by so many people he'd rather forget. But the idea that anyone, and most of all Kotsky, would call him sexy of all things... Shoto bent over and kissed him, and it was so much all at once. Kotsky's hands traced down Shoto's back, wet and a little oily, and Shoto was staying, 
staying, staying, and he was never going to leave this man. And the moment he had the thought, he sat up so he could look Kotsky in the eye. And for some reason, he thought of Izuku. Kotsky frowned. What's wrong? Nothing, Shoto said, maybe a little too quickly. I was just thinking. I... I don't want to leave. Not ever. Kotsky grinned at him, and the expression was so staunchly Kotsky, sharp and arrogant and fucking feral. And he said, <laughs> If I got you that good after a little head, just fucking wait and see what else I can do. Shoto blushed fiercely and chastised, Kotsky. Hmm? Kotsky pulled him closer, put his lips right against Shoto's skin. You need sleep. Kotsky grumbled and groaned, but then he agreed. You come with me? He all but pouted. Shoto paused. In... In your room? In my bed. Kotsky drawled, half teasing, half reassuring. Shoto relaxed a little. But he still wasn't sure. But as long as Kotsky didn't expect him to just fling himself in that bed with all of them, maybe. Come back to mine, Shoto pleaded. He'd meant it to sound teasing, but he just sounded petulant and a little desperate. And there was a long moment of silence where Kotsky pulled back and looked at him and sh- Shoto's frustrations came into a sharp and sudden focus. Shoto said quietly, Must we? Kotsky frowned at him and held him at arm's length, looking at Shoto's collarbone with a strange, uncomfortable expression. You know how this works, don't you? He did. Of course he did, but gods he hadn't realized. All at once he thought of Kotsky with them, and he ached all over. But the thought of any of them without Kotsky, or Kotsky without any of them, was still wrong too. Shoda whispered, I... I want... To pretend. Kotsky made a little sound, telling Shoto to go on. That we can be alone. But we are alone. Not. Shoto groaned suddenly, frustration mounting and spilling over. I'm not like them, Kotsky. I don't want... I don't want to be near them when we... He broke off, blushing, and Kotsky grinned at him before he taunted. Sleep? 
Shoto looked over at the water at the rim of the tub when he mumbled, And in the morning? Koski pulled him closer. Planning, are we? Don't act all fucking prim and proper, princess. I know how often you listened to us fuck. Because I wanted you, Shoto hissed. I was practically torturing myself. That's torture I can get behind. You're not funny. Bitch, you know I am. I want you to myself, Shoto complained. Not, not all the time, he added hastily. Just, Koski frowned then, some of the laughter going from his eyes. You don't think maybe one day you could? I don't know, Shoto admitted. I don't feel about them the way I feel about you. I, I do love them, he said a little awkwardly, I suppose, in, in a way. I just, <sighs> Shoto groaned a little at a sad, amused expression on Kotsky's face. Even when I was with Denki, I still was thinking of you. Kotsky's face changed instantly, eyes going hard, smile suddenly becoming dangerous and sharp. You were with Denki? Ah. Uh. He pushed Shoto away a little, hands on Shoto's waist suddenly bruising. Fuck does that mean, with? What do you mean, with? I... <sighs> Solstice, we... Shoto laughed, and it was feeble and quiet, and he said, We... Kissed. Motherfucker! Kotsky stood up sharply, sending Shoto splashing back into the water. That sneaky little slut. I knew he was acting weird. You fucking... What did you do? Shoto stared at him and said hastily, We just kissed a little. It was after our dance and I was feeling very foolish and I... Kotsky was watching him with raised brows. Thoroughly incredulous look on his face. Do you have any idea how much I wanted you at Solstice? His voice was grating, harsh, and his hair on and the hair on the back of Shoto's neck stood up. How fucking incredible you looked and the way you <sighs> Kotsky swallowed eyes flickering down Shoto's chest when he said way you danced danced Kotsky sat back on the bench and hauled Shoto back on top of him water splashing and slopping all over everything Shoto's hair was wet from the tips when he'd almost fallen back into the tub 
damn so fucking pretty. Koski practically slurred, pushing his lips up under Shoto's chin when he said it. Could feel how fucking hard you were through your pants. Hmm. Shoto jerked back down to look at him and gasped. No, I wasn't. Could fucking feel you, princess. Had, had Shoto been drunk and out of sorts and he'd wanted, but had he really? Thought about you like that for weeks. Thought about you every time I touched myself. Couldn't stop thinking about how good you felt. Shoto's mind prickled into nothing. It was amazing how easily Kotsky could do that to him. Could force every thought from his head so there was nothing for Shoto to be distracted about. No reason for him to brush aside the way his skin felt against Kotsky's. The way Kotsky's hands felt on Shoto's waist. Fingers so tight it hurt. The way Kotsky's lips felt against his chest. And you went off with Danky. Shoto shivered. Still couldn't tell if Kotsky was actually mad or if he was turned on. What'd you do? I... Kotsky slid one hand into the hair at the base of Shoto's skull and pulled and Shoto's mumbled, half-hearted answer turned into a choked gasp. Kissed, kissed him. His voice was mostly air. Kissed me. Kotsky made a sound, a low, angry little growl, and Shoto's eyes snapped open when he felt Kotsky's teeth close over his nipple. He was still wrenched back on Shoto's hair, pulling so hard Shoto could only see the ceiling. And when he bit him, the shocked, twisted, confused gasp that stuttered from Shoto's lips made him flush all the way to his toes with how painfully depraved it had sounded. And he choked out, oh, was thinking of you. Koski growled at him again, and then Shoto added, Sounds he made when you fucked him. The sound that... The sound the words left his lips. The second Shoto realized he couldn't take them back. Koski's hands both clenched even tighter. But he still went still, and all Shoto could hear in the sudden ringing silence was the water lapping at their skin and his own frantic breathing. Koski didn't say anything, but he yanked once on Shoto's hair, and the words started spilling from his lips in a hot, heady rush. Thing, uh, things you did to him. <laughs> Made him scream like that with your mouth and your fuck. I. I. Did you like it? Was he good?
How was he doing this? Pushing Shoto into four places at once. Into that bed when he'd listened to Kotsky take Dinky apart. Take all of them apart. And in that hallway, with Denki's tongue in his mouth and in his bedroom with Kotsky's lips and tongue all over him and here, tangled up on Kotsky's lap and feeling so deliriously helpless, he thought he might just agree to anything. Not you. Not what I asked, princess. Shoto squirmed, whined a little pitifully, and then hissed, just a kiss. What did he feel like? You're so stupid. Shoto gasped out, and he actually surprised himself when he managed to make anything but a desperate plea come out. I didn't want to kiss him. I wanted to be him. Kotsky's grip on his hair slacked off, just a little. Wanted you to touch me like that. Look at me like that. And then, I could smell you on his skin. Before Shoto could fully comprehend the horrible, pathetic thing he had just said, Kotsky stood up, yanked him around, and pushed Shoto's whole chest down against the rim of the tub. You liked what I did to him? Yes. Tell me. He was pulling Shoto's hair again, hard, lifting Shoto's cheek off the cold stone floor. Shoto heard him speak, heard him issue some type of command, but he was suddenly insensible, and he muttered out loud without meaning to, Oh, fuck. So strong. Tell me. Come on, love. Tell me. Shoto felt like he was going to melt into the stone. He had some vague idea that he should offer some resistance. Some petty attempt at being contrary. But the slow, sugary way Kotsky was speaking to him was overwhelming. Used your mouth, Shoto slurred. Kotsky chuckled at him. (laughs) I know you like that. What else? (laughs) Couldn't see. Couldn't. You could hear. Told him what to do. Kotsky's voice was obnoxiously pleased when he said, Hmm. You want me to order you around, princess? Shoto grumbled a little because that wasn't quite it. But then Kotsky tightened his hand, and it came to him very quickly. Don't, don't know what to do. There was a comfort and a command when Shoto was second-guessing his every move, not to mention the way that Kotsky had oozed confidence and... Hold him. 
Shoto swallowed, and it was too loud. Everything here was so quiet, except for every sound they made together. Said dirty things. Kotsky sounded thoroughly overjoyed when he taunted. <laughs> Perverts. I... Oh, fuck. Shoto broke off in an overwhelming groan, and Kotsky said very quickly, What? Want me to talk dirty to you? Take care of you, princess? Yes, yes. Want me to tell you how pretty you look all bent over like this? Shoto felt himself flush, and he still moaned like Kotsky had touched him. Want me to fuck that pretty little hole? A jolt of adrenaline coursed through Shoto's body, and he jerked up off the stone hard enough to make Kotsky relent a little, let his hair go, and soothe his hand over the back of Shoto's neck when he said, Oh, whoa. It's just a suggestion, love. Calm down. Shoto shook his head wordlessly. He couldn't. He couldn't even bring himself to really think of that in the comfort of his own head. There was a nebulous sort of desire around it. A vague idea that it might mean something. But in reality, he was... No. It was simply too much. Kotsky said, Shh, I got other ways I can fuck you. Shoto took a sharp breath, and Kotsky pressed his cock against Shoto's ass and ground against him. The slick, oily water made him slip easy over Shoto's skin, and he dragged his whole length between Shoto's ass cheeks. Kotsky held them together so tightly, Shoto ached where Kotsky's hands touched him. And the slick slide of skin was torturous in a way Shoto did not expect made him think of Kotsky's clever tongue pressing into him and how impossible that had felt, and suddenly his whole body was tingling, craving more, always more. <sighs> Gonna come for me? Kotsky asked him, voice curious, only a little labored. You need more? Yes, yes, please. Shoto pleaded all air now, all awful desperation. Kotsky very firmly said, Touch yourself. Shoto's breath caught in his throat, and a little and the little encouraging moan he was making tapered off turned into a question or a complaint. Kotsky said, Grab your fucking cock. The chills that erupted all over his body felt very strange in the hot, oily water. He felt foolish, inexperienced, ridiculous. 
when he very tentatively reached under the water and curled his own fingers around himself. He didn't expect it to feel so good, but the way Kotsky was touching him, grinding against him, had been talking to him. Shoto moaned a little too loudly, and Kotsky muttered, Oh, that's good love. So good. Make yourself come for me. Come on, gorgeous. Shoto's breath hitched and shuddered, and he wasn't sure Kotsky understood what he was asking him to do. Uh, I don't, I, I can't. Uh, uh, uh. So good. You're doing so good. Fuck, you feel so good. Such a tight little ass princess. Shoto groaned. He couldn't help it. Hearing Kotsky talk was doing things to him. Oh, fuck. <sighs> Jerk yourself off, baby. Kotsky panted, voice tinged with complaint and exasperation and sheer non-negotiable demand. Shoto squeezed his eyes shut and managed a wordless whine. It was the only sound he could make. Kotsky didn't understand what he was asking of him. He'd touched himself like this and he'd been riddled with shame for days and days after every single time. And those times hadn't been like this. They'd been born of desperation and had only come about when ignoring the problem became so unbearable that all he had to do was brush his own skin to make himself. I, I can't, he choked. I can't. He put his hand back on the rim of the tub, and the twisted wave of relief and frustration that washed over him made his knees quake. He needed to feel, but he couldn't. Not with Kotsky watching. He just couldn't. Kotsky pulled him up, hauled him back on his hair, and put his lips next to Shoto's ear. Shoto was so much taller than him that he actually had to bend back a little, twisted up so his head was level with Kotsky's. He felt like he was falling, dizzy and disoriented, with his heart sprinting in his ears and magic licking at his fingertips. He threw his right hand out to catch himself, curled it around Kotsky's neck, and he felt himself steady, like catching a rail in the instant before a fall. Kotsky's breath was hot, and Shoto heard, felt it hitch a little, when he hooked his hand around Kotsky's neck. But he barely sounded winded when he whispered, What do you mean, can't? His voice went impossibly lower and burned through Shoto's chest when he added, I don't like that, Shoto. Can't. I think you can. His name like that. It was too much. So much Shoto couldn't think. He couldn't think. He... Don't make me...
Kotsky let go of him and Shoto almost fell over again, had to twist and catch himself when Kotsky's hands just stopped holding him up. Kotsky pushed him a little, spun him around. Shoto fell back onto the bench, running around the edge of the tub. All his thoughts twisted, competed with one another, and he couldn't decide which one was more pressing. Kotsky had asked him to do something, and he didn't expect want to accept he he didn't want to except he did but he couldn't but Koski couldn't make him if he wanted to could just snap his fingers and Shoto would crumble and Shoto had never ever ever been that man and what did it mean that crumbling for Kotsky seemed like the most natural, most desirable thing he could think of? Shoto didn't know all the different ways a man could want, and now he was sure if Kotsky showed him any more, he'd go utterly mad. But Kotsky wasn't done with him, and Shoto had barely settled back against the bench before Kotsky was climbing into his lap, one knee on either side of Shoto's hips, just like Shoto had been sitting earlier, and every competing thought in Shoto's head flared into so much kindling, and he muttered, Oh my! <gasps> Kotsky sat up on his knees, made himself taller than Shoto, and pressed his chest and his hips and his... Fuck his whole body against Shoto before he grabbed Shoto by the chin and forced him to look up. And then he just stared down at him, smile sharp and goading and showing all his teeth. Shoto licked his lips and was sure the room behind Kotsky's head was spinning. Funny thing to get all shy about, gorgeous. Kotsky taunted, spent the whole night with my tongue up your ass and you get all squirrely about me seeing you touch your own cock. Shoto swallowed. I've just, I've never really, um. Kotsky narrowed his eyes. Jerked off? No, Shoto mumbled. Not, no, really. Kotsky's brows furrowed over that awful goading smile of his, and then he sat back on Shoto's knees, face clearing. The hand on Shoto's chin slid to his collarbone, fingers spread and hand far hotter than it should have been. It was enough to make Shoto's right side feel like it was burning. And then Kotsky grabbed himself, with his free hand, and gave Shoto such a smug, taunting sort of look. Shoto had no choice but to. Ah, oh, fuck. There it was again. It wasn't quite as overwhelming as when Kotsky had touched him. But it was still. Shoto's eyelids fluttered a little, and his stomach jumped, and... He was using his left hand, so he groaned suddenly when the magic at his fingertips flared into impossible heat. Kotsky chuckled at him when Shoto looked. He was stroking himself very slowly, 
at that incredible, addictive confidence written in every relaxed line on his angular body. His eyes flickered from Shoto's face down to Shoto's fist and back again. <sighs> Bastard. Kotsky's grin just got sharper. Feral. He loved this. Come on. Shoto echoed his movements. It was unconscious at first, a natural reaction to his own uncertainty. But then Kotsky noticed, and he altered his motions, ran his hand along his skin in long, luxurious pulls that made Shoto shiver when he followed them. Shoto couldn't stand that for long, and when it got to be too much, when impatience led him to set a pace faster than Kotsky's, Kotsky pushed back on his chest, tongue tucked between his teeth, and jerked his chin in silent astonishment. His cheeks were flushed, and his chest was starting to flutter, but he kept—he still kept up that slow, torturously slow rhythm, and Shota remembered what he'd done last night, how he'd teased and teased with his tongue until a light breeze would have done more, and Shota was begging him. He'd like that. He'd like hearing Shoto whine and beg and plead like that. Oh, fuck. Kotsky slid a little closer. Shoto could feel the back of his knuckles brushing Shoto's chest. Good, gorgeous. Yeah, yes. Let me... I wanna... Oh. Now? Kotsky goaded, voice all heat and no bite. I... I... Fuck. He couldn't think straight. Kotsky was sitting in his lap, managing to tower over him, directing him to touch himself, and he was just doing it. Wasn't he? And it felt so fucking good. And he didn't want to stop. He didn't. He was doing this to himself. He curled forward when he came, pressed into the hand. Kotsky still had spread against his chest and spots danced behind his eyes when Kotsky forced him back against the rim of the tub. He dropped his head heavily against the stone, gasping, and was desperately pleased when he was too satisfied to think about what he'd just done, if he'd liked it or if he should. Kotsky was so pleased. Shoto could feel it, and his hand slipped further, faster and surer, and Shoto realized he was holding his breath. The hand on Shoto's chest slid into the hair at Shoto's temple, soft and gentle, then strong, all at once. So Shoto actually let his head fall sideways, heavy against Kotsky's fist. He came on Shoto's chest, hips straining up out of the water, and he wrenched Shoto into a wet, desperate kiss the second he caught his breath.
fucking can't. Shoto wrapped Kotsky in his arms and wouldn't let himself think of priests or overbearing fathers or doting servants and nursemaids or eager siblings. Didn't let himself think of all the reasons he had never had been mortified at the very thought and princess. Shoto opened sleepy eyes and realized he hadn't eaten anything all day. He'd been so anxious, so bone-achingly tired. He'd slept the day away and was ready for bed once more. You don't have to jump in the sack with every fucker who looks at you sideways to be sexual. Shoto was quiet. And I... Kotsky cleared his throat in that way he did when he was about to say something that made him uncomfortable, and then he blurted all in a rush, you don't have to, I mean, spending time together, you know, that's some nice shit, and you're, uh, you're, fuck, so sexy, but I, if you don't want, this. Shoto looked up at him very sharply. What do you mean? Koski scrubbed a hand over his face and groaned a little. Gods. Shit. Uh. I was thinking about what you said about, uh. Not being sexual. Like. Them? Yeah. And I just... He squeezed his eyes shut, face bunching up and muttered, This is a weird fucking time to say this. I have no idea what you're getting at, so I'm sorry, but I can't help you. I think you're more than just pretty. Kotsky blurted, and for some reason, Shoto felt like his heart rolled over in his chest. Even if you never wanted me to... Kotsky swallowed. Like this. I'd still, I don't know, like, want to be with you. I guess. Oh. The water lapped quietly at the rim of the tub. Shoto didn't let Kotsky go. I like the way you make me feel. Kotsky seemed to melt a little at that. Shoto didn't realize he'd been holding himself so stiff. Yeah? Shoto nodded, hair rubbing against Kotsky's chest. You're not just trying to do what you think I want you to. Shoto was so startled he laughed a little. (laughs) No. No? No. That's all there was to it. 
Shoto didn't know if he wanted any of this with anyone else, or at least anyone else he could feasibly have it with. But he also didn't know if he didn't want it. And he certainly wanted it with Kotsky. That would have been enough for now. He snuck into Kotsky, they snuck into Kotsky's room, and Shoto hesitated at the threshold, hair trailing wet down his back, chest bare, like Kotsky. Kotsky drew up short when he realized Shoto had stopped, but then he quietly tugged Shoto into the room after him, and that was that. Dinky was snoring. Kirishima was sprawled on his back in the middle of the room. Mina and Dinky both draped over either side of his chest. He was wearing a shift, but nothing on bottom, and Shoto could... Mina was wearing a shift, but nothing on bottom, and Shoto could see her pert pink backside from where the blanket had gotten tangled around Kiri's knees. Kotsky looked at them, and Shoto saw him smile. It was painfully soft, not at all like Kotsky usually smiled. When he saw Shoto looking, he scowled and shoved Shoto back towards the bed, all harsh bravado. His bed was soft, warm, and far bigger than it really needed to be. Shoto sank into the furs, and they were somehow even more plush than his own. But beyond all that was the smell of it, the spicy oils and fire and inexplicable sweet scent that followed Kotsky everywhere he went. Shoto was still relaxed and thoughtless enough from the bath that he put his whole face into Kotsky's pillow and inhaled. Why do you smell so good? His whisper was mostly just air, but it still sounded too loud in the silence. Mina makes me oils and lotions and things, he answered with a little chuckle. Shoto pushed his back to Kotsky's front and said, Hmm, it's not just that. Kotsky kissed the back of his neck, told him goodnight, tucked an arm around him and held him close. Shoto had to adjust the temperature of his right side so he wouldn't sweat. Koski was hot-blooded with skin like standing near a furnace. It was only then that he remembered something Inji had said yesterday, when Shoto had told him Toyo was back from the dead. I made sure he'd never get back up again, which was a very strange thing to say. Unless a man had reason to believe it might happen. End of chapter 14